Longhorn fans, Sooner Nation, welcome to the Boomer Bebo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma. Kevin, it's a reaction Sunday. We had live football and it felt amazing. I had had family over, I had friends over, my daughters are cooking me hamburgers, bringing me things to my chair, which never happens. It was fantastic. Enjoy it while it lasts. You know? Dude, I soaked it in. I soaked it in. We had hamburgers and fries in the air fryer and watermelon. And, dude, it was great. OU stepped up. I thought they looked great. We'll get into that. Texas, very efficient win after the slow start by Quinn Ewers. And then you surround our two games with some really good football. Yeah. Starting with what was going to be a West Coast, East Coast Epic matchup against Georgia, the defending national champions, and the Oregon Ducks. And oh my God, was that a beatdown? Have you ever seen anything like that between two ranked teams? I don't think so. Not that I can remember. I mean, nothing about that game was competitive at all. At all. I, I it came. It was on at the same time as the Oklahoma game. I kept trying to go back because I'm thinking, man, maybe, maybe, and I would go, and I'm like, oh my, they scored again. And then I flip back, oh, they scored again. By then, I'm just like watching the score at the bottom of the page. I don't even know what the game looked like, except for the fact that or uh, Georgia scored seven straight touchdowns seven against touchdowns. their old defensive coordinator who should kind of know what's coming. Yeah. It sounds. You know, Kirby Smart said it after the game. He's like, well, we have better players. He knows it, you know. He's like, they'll do good, but. Here's the thing. The way that they've been recruiting, I mean, we're talking about top three recruiting classes for the last five or six years straight. So even if you just get a, a small percentage of those guys hit, you have enough to build an incredible football team. And Georgia's set up, right? I know it's only one game, but they look like they're capable of making a run, becoming a, a dynasty. Don't want to speak too soon, right? But the blueprint is set. Um, again, I didn't get to see the game because I didn't care that much once they got up 28 to nothing, but I, you think the only thing that's going to keep Georgia back is their quarterback, but with the way their offensive line and defensive lines work, I, does this yeah. jump them to number one in the polls? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. Jump to number one. Yeah, but I don't know if it matters. Uh, other quick, early. other quick observations, the ACC, Despite some wins, not very good. Yeah, I mean, no one really, really jumped out. We'll see what Miami can end up doing. Uh, yeah, but with the Cookman. So, how ex- did you get to watch any of the East Carolina game? And, I did. Oh fun. my gosh! Kicker. Oh my god! Oh, heartbreak for, for the kicker. Kid. Yeah. And then a co- point to tie it, and then missed the field goal to win it. They were the better team in the fourth quarter. They were. They were. They really and then were. you've and then you've got the basketball score of 62-60 with your old coach Mac Brown. And then he's dancing in the locker room. Like I get everybody's fired up. Yeah. I don't know that I'm dancing. Yeah. I don't know if I'm dancing in the locker room after a 62-60 win against Appalachian State. Something just felt weird about that. Well, you celebrate the win, but I mean, goodness, giving up 60 points to App State. That was rough. It, it, 
It was off-putting. And then um, – The quarter was insane. Would they have 62 combined points in the fourth quarter alone? It was unbelievable. And then during your game, so you probably didn't see a ton of it, uh, was two really good games. The Florida-Utah game. Did you get to watch any of that? Did you flip over? Actually, I remember I had the double TV. That's right. Actually, had the Florida game on. On the second one, I was flipping back and forth between um, that one and the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Okay. Well, starting with the Utah game and the Florida game, have you ever seen a sweatier group of players? Man, it was looks it looked so humid there. I mean, and it looked miserable. Did you see that Napier in the first half had on an actual like rain sweat jacket that went down long sleeve? No, I did not. I didn't. Uh, that. I don't. It, it it was like the reverse psychology of an offensive lineman that goes sleeveless in Green Bay in December. Yeah, I felt like it was the reverse of that. Like, oh, this isn't sweating. He was that was off in the second half. He, those guys were dying. And then fan shots. Every time they showed a fan shot, you thought somebody was going to die. Everybody was glistening. I mean, it was. Did you see the throw up? Did you see the Utah the Utah guy throw up? I missed that. No. Oh, it was disgusting. Uh, it was great, but it was disgusting. Uh, I don't know what Cam Rising was doing on that play. Neither do I. A BYU fan. I know and love texted me and said he actually to threw two game ending interceptions on that drive, which is actually true because that, that, that game could have been over 10 plays before that. I don't know why you don't run the ball there. I know I say that all the time and it's going to be a cliche thing that comes out of my mouth, but you had run the ball really well against them in the second half. You've got plenty of time. Their defense wasn't stopping you. I don't know. I just run the ball or at least get rising out. That was a great game though. Great finish. I hate the Florida Gators just for no other reason, but I just don't like them. Uh, but tell me what your thoughts were on Notre Dame-Ohio State real quick. Again, um, I thought Notre Dame did a good job defensively. I think they got some pretty good pressure on C.J. Stroud, more than I expected them to. And the timing looked off a little bit between Stroud and his um, wide receivers. But I thought Marcus Freeman and his staff had a good game plan to really frustrate the Ohio State offense. But, man, they couldn't get anything going offensively. Is that you think? I was watching the Florida Utah game, and and then until that was over. But did you did you think that was a factor, or do you think that was because Notre Dame is not good offensively, or Ohio State is so good defensively, or just the combination? I mean, I can't give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt yet. I know they got Jim Knowles, the former Oklahoma State defensive coordinator, who did an incredible job with them. So maybe they've gotten that much better. But I didn't like the play calling. I didn't like the play design for Notre Dame at all. They, yeah. It just didn't look I – don't, I don't know what they were trying to do. I didn't see uh, an identity there. I, I like the athleticism of their quarterback and his the, run, the couple times they ran him I thought was good. But you're right. There was just a real lack of imagination. It, to me, it was a boring game. It was just a boring – it was like old school Big Ten when you think of Big Ten football. It was 11 o'clock. Big Ten kickoffs, you know? Yeah. Northwestern and Purdue, you know, the games nobody cares about. Yeah. I, that, that kind of feel, too. I, 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 Herbie, Herb Street was trying to make it, you know, just these guys are hitting. Oh, I saw the national. Yeah, they were. It was fine. It was good. And and maybe they are a top, both top five teams. I don't know. But it just didn't. The excitement level wasn't there. Um, real quick. Just to hit on our picks, Kevin, we are now four and two on the season together. 
We're each four and two. Okay. Your Longhorns covered, so you lost. How's that feel? Well, I guess bittersweet. Bittersweet is exactly right. <laughs> Oklahoma covered with a last-minute field goal, so that felt pretty good. And then we both picked. The interception, the interception in the end zone. Oh, I know. I know. That was huge. Yeah. And then uh, we both picked Notre Dame. You know, it was crazy. We both picked Notre Dame to cover. It was crazy listening to, like, pregame and stuff. Everybody had Ohio State killing them. Yeah. And they won, and they were the better team. But I just never thought Ohio State was going to just kill them like that. And I think no. it bared out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we start talking about our games, which is what the bulk of this episode is dedicated to, let's make sure we mention Brown O'Haver. Kevin, the production specialist, has put Brown O'Haver in this corner of the screen. And that's because they are our title sponsor. We are adjusters for the insured, not the insurance company. If you've had a loss, fire, wind, theft, tornado, vandalism, business, commercial loss, give us a call. 405-735-5510. We get you more money than you'd get on your own from the insurance company. At the end of the day, you need to get paid back for all the premiums that you've paid over the years. 405-735-5510. 405-735-5510. Brown O'Haver. Man, Kevin, I was so excited about the Oklahoma game. And that first quarter was dynamic. It was very explosive. It was It was everything I wanted to see. We had Marvin Mims involved. We had Braden Willis involved. We're involving preferred walk-ons. The defense was flying to the ball. We're going to talk about some of the players I noticed, but real quick, Reggie Grimes. Oh my God, I am fired up about him. We've been waiting on this, right? I mean, he was a highly recruited guy out of, what, Memphis or Nashville? Somewhere out of Tennessee, right? Well, you know what? We've been waiting, so it was good to see him finally come on. You You mentioned this offline to me, but I also had the same similar thought, so go with me here. He is so much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you can only credit that to Schmitty. I mean, that's your only variable, I guess. Or he just grew or yeah, whatever. Absolutely. But Absolutely. But it makes me think of guys like Nick Benito. And what Schmitty could have done with like a Nick Benito. Can you imagine the bulk and the size that was on that? I don't – anyway, that's a side note. But that, that was a bit – when they were talking about players that had a visual visual difference from last year, Reggie Grimes is at the top of the list. Yeah. My goodness, he, he, looked, too. he looked much bigger too. He looked he looked a lot bigger, and so both the defensive line played well. Um, players that stood out to me over the game, Braden Willis, I thought looked like a stud. I think he's going to fill in for our loss of, of Austin Stogner quite nicely. Yeah, I don't know if he gives you the blocking that Stogner did, but man, yeah, we saw that classic R. Browse hard play action fake pop pass to the tight end twice yeah. with him. Twice. The second and, time he was out of the backfield, and they really sold it well. So I, I, I a problem for the Big Twelve this year for sure. And he's just uncovered. I, I, you know, I'm sure somebody will make that adjustment, and maybe that opens up something else. But in this game, he was just uncovered. Uh, other offensive, Marcus Major. Y'all know I'm a Marcus Major guy. I thought he looked yeah. strong. I thought he ran hard. Uh, I thought Eric Gray was fine, but he, he continues to be that for me, just fine. Eric Gray continues to be a yeah. guy that 
makes some cuts, runs hard, got good yardage. Yeah. But against that talent difference, I wanted to see some breakaway plays from him, and I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, dispassionate viewer, what did you think of the running game with those two? Yeah, no, I, I thought it was good. It wasn't great. You didn't get those, you know, like you said, those huge 60-yard runs that you got. But, I mean, maybe he's just not that guy. Maybe he's just a guy that's going to grind you out yards. He looks like a guy physically that should be a guy that's yeah. take it to the house, but maybe he just isn't, you know? I, I Again, uh, I know you're listening out there, Eric. Prove me wrong. But uh, I still I, – I, I love Marcus Major. But maybe I – I could be easily sold into an Eric Gray as a first half back and Marcus Major as the second, you know, wear him down back. And I, I think I'd be fine with that. Uh, lastly, on the off. Gabriel, real quick. Well, I'm going to get to Gabriel. I mean, we're going to have some, that's on things that uh, need some work. Another guy that stood out that has to be mentioned, that Gavin Freeman play. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that was unbelievable. I mean, I, I heard about him, right? But just did not think he would be playing this soon. And to make a play like that on your first touch, that's the stuff of dreams right there. Oh, it was fantastic. I mean, when they – I knew Gav, I knew Gavin Freeman was on the team, and I knew the story about him, ex, you know, being from Heritage Hall, wanting to play at, U, yeah. at OU, getting a scholarship to Texas Tech, turning down the scholarship to be a preferred walk-on, right? It's a great story. I knew that. I was, you know, aware of his existence. But when they handed the ball off to him, I'm like, who the heck is that guy? And what the heck is happening? And it was – oh, man, it was great. So, I mean, that was one play. We don't know what we're going to see from that kid, but if, if that's any indication, I freaking loved it. Defensively, I already mentioned Reggie Grimes. I thought Danny Stutzman, all six foot four of him, really popped on the field. His length – I thought he was the best player on the field for OU, personally. I, I didn't realize that – I didn't realize how tall he was even last year, but – my gosh, he was just – he was rangy. He was lengthy. We tipped a lot of ball. I don't know if he tipped him, but it just had this feel that he was always about to tip one. Yeah. And then lastly, Billy Bowman just played really solid defense in the back end. He was in on hits, hitting people hard. Um, so – and I think he led the team in tackles, which is not great for a safety, but which, you know, they were running by the end of the end of the second – or end of the first quarter. They were having to throw on almost every play because they couldn't run the ball at all. So you tip is not a horrible team. You don't think so? I don't think they're horrible. From a talent standpoint, they don't belong to be on the field with, with OU. What do you uh, think I've, they'll I've seen worse football teams? What do you think their record will be? I think they'll be like six and six. Somewhere. Okay. All right. Well, that's not terrible. Uh things I didn't like, and this is where Gabriel comes in, is I think what we're seeing from Gabriel, at least in game one, is and I want to caution this. I, I wanted to put this disclaimer out before I before I started talking about the team at the beginning. But I made it a point, Kevin, to not read any message boards or any reporting or even listen to the post-game show. Okay? Which was really hard for me. I wanted to wake up. I always wake up. You know, who doesn't? Which fan doesn't wake up on Sunday morning and, like, want to read everything about their team? Correct. But I wanted this to be my thoughts. And then find out on Monday and Tuesday when I listen to the radio and read the internet if I'm right or not. So that's just just a disclaimer. So if something comes out and I'm completely wrong about it, that well, that's okay. I'm completely wrong about it. Uh, but these, you know, not influenced by anything. But I thought that that Gabriel 
had a very Jalen Hurts esque look to him. Okay. I thought he ran the ball well, and I thought he threw it good enough. I wasn't overwhelmed. When we were running the ball in the first quarter, we, he was, and therefore we were, very, very, very efficient. At one point, he was six for seven, and that was after missing that first throw. So he was six in a row. We start to get into the second quarter. We go away from the run, and then he goes six of 13. So he goes from six of seven to six straight incompletions, which if I'm remembering correctly, was seven passes, six incompletions, and one sack. Okay. And what it makes me think of is, is if we either a we're not protecting well, or may, maybe it's not him, but it always falls back on the quarterback. And I, it makes me think we have to run the ball to set up, set him up for success. He's not going to carry us, a la Baker or Kyler. He's going to have to be set up and put in a position to succeed. That's how I felt about Gabriel. That's what I felt about him. I thought he was fine. Not he wasn't as a, we'll talk about Quinn Ewers. He wasn't he didn't throw an interception, but he was not as efficient as Quinn Ewers was. Quinn Ewers' efficiency was way higher. Um, when he had to make plays, he did. But again, I just don't know if it's like if we get behind in the game and he's got to just consistently throw the ball. That that little series and that little section of the second quarter makes me nervous. Your you know, thoughts. And that just might be who Dylan Gabriel is, you know. And that's fine. You can still win with him. I mean, I think you can still win. Win big. But, yeah, did I you, think he's that guy to carry a team. He's like did did you feel that? Did you feel the same way in the second quarter that I did, though, that, like, maybe right. we need to run the ball and set this guy up a little bit? Yeah, exactly. And I think any quarterback does better with a, with a good running game. I mean, when Baker was there, as good as he was, he ran the ball incredibly well. Well, they get back. They get back running to the ball, and his efficiency immediately picked back up. Yeah. Uh, those 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 passes were more wide open. The the threat of the rush wasn't affecting him so much. Whatever the case may be, um, I love the quarterback run game from him. Even if we don't see a lot of it, I like people to know that it's there. Yeah, the threat of it does a lot. Uh, I also want to see a little more Theo Weese. I thought we could we could get him the ball a little bit more. Mims, well, I mean, you could always get the ball more to Mims. If if you ever want to say get the ball more to Mims, please get it to Mims. But uh, I also want to see more Theo Weese. Defensively, uh, we had six sacks, which were really good. We only had the one turnover, and it was on the last play of the game. Yeah. I, I, Oklahoma, even you know, going back, obviously, through Alex Grinch and even before, the number of turnovers that we create is continuing to be an issue. Um. And again, again, it's, it's a team with lesser talent. You should be able to put pressure on that quarterback. You just would have loved to see at least one or two turnovers. Either a fumble caused, a strip sack, you know, a really good interception, something like that. But what I talked about in the preview was dominating the trenches. I thought we dominated the trenches really well in terms of being physical, both on the run game and the pass game, or run game and defensive. And I thought the pass protection left a little something to be cleaned up on. So I'm anxious to see that in game two. Those were my thoughts on Oklahoma. Did you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I did. Um, again, like you said, I thought the fundamentals were good defensively. I didn't see any huge busts or anything like that. The tackling was solid. There were a few missed tackles, right? But again, it's the first game of the season. I think yeah. everything you saw that was a negative could be cleaned up. Agreed. I, I didn't notice anything that says, oh, you know, this might be 
struggle. You know, so to have things to work on, but to still win the game, was it 45 to 13? 45 yeah. to 13. And count all you can ask for in week one. And I didn't notice any major injuries either. So no, no major injuries. I thought I thought everybody looked good. I think those are things to clean up. I'm just uh I think we need to stay balanced in the run pass game. And we will. I mean, look, let me knows what he's doing. Maybe he yeah. wanted to see how they they hold up to that. I it just wasn't a very good series, and you kind of got the sense that he's not he's not the Superman quarterback that we're used to, but he can still, I think, be very, very good, especially if we put him in good positions. University of Texas, seven o'clock kickoff, Louisiana Monroe, the road to redemption. The tour started yesterday. How was the opening act? I thought it went very well. Very well. I was pleased with what I saw for the most part. Uh, 52 to 10. So they did cover the spread, which I didn't expect them to do. And you picked for them not to cover it either. But no, I thought it was well. I thought the defense played very well. Efficient offensively. Bit of a rough start from Quinn Ewers. Um, First off, first drive, they go three and out. Okay, force a punt. They block the punt. And um, Deshaun James in the corner who has normally been their punt returner for the last three years. They had him actually on the punt block team. He gets through, blocks the punt, and then Keelan Robinson recovers it and runs it in for a touchdown. So for a quick 7-0 lead. So it's about as good of a start as you can ask for. You know, special special teams can just – it can get you fired up. Yeah, I think they had six punt blocks last year as a team. So, yeah, they – they brought in Jeff Banks. He was a, spe- a special team coach, Alabama. It's funny. We thought that he was just their rainmaker when it came to recruiting. He was, he's known as one of, not the best recruiter on the staff. And I thought that's why he was brought in. And he was just given that title. Sure. Special teams coach. But, oh, no, no, no. This guy's legit. This is his deal, huh? Yeah. I think, like I said, five or six pump blocks last year. And, yeah, already won in the first game. Did so, you know? Did you notice any? Uh, how were they in the? Well, the, y'all they didn't kick off very much, did they? And the couple times that ULM kicked off, did were y'all returning the ball and stuff? Or were you playing it pretty safe? I'm always fascinated yeah, by that. No, no big plays on the kickoff. Um, okay. On the kickoff returns at all. So tell me, tell me about Ewers' first interception. How did that feel? How did that feel to the crowd? And then how did he redeem himself? You know, I don't think anybody freaked out about it. You know, the first throw, it was uh, it was a shot that he missed. Second one, you know, he dropped back. First couple reads weren't there, so he started rolling out. Kind of threw, I don't want to say across his body, but it was just a straight shot, and there was three defenders there, and there were two receivers in the area. So just a bad decision. Intercepted. I mean, he stayed calm. The crowd didn't freak out. So, you know, defense got the stop and everything. And, and that was really the only bad throw I saw him make as far as, you know, dangerous. Throw yeah, other than that, he went 18 for 22 for 220 something. Is that right? Am I thinking about yeah, that right? Final, yeah, final numbers were eight, uh, six, excuse me, 16 to 24 for 225 yards, um, two touchdowns, and the one interception. Okay, so I thought, you know what, when I said that earlier, I thought he was quite a bit more. Gabriel was 15 to 23, 16 to 20, you know. Okay, so very similar. Very similar, really. Yeah. I thought I, I thought he was a little more, you know what? God, I don't even want to say who I'm thinking about. Never mind. You know what I'm thinking about, right? No. Caleb Williams stat line. I don't know why that was in my head. Yeah, he he was. Oh, he was unbelievable, man. Oh, it makes me want to puke. 
And they actually played defense and got turnovers. Uh, forget it. Oh, wait, yeah, we, they, got, they got a lot of turnovers. You can beat me up on that later. Uh, how'd Bijan look? He looked great, man. He only had 10 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Seven yards uh, a carry. That's fantastic. Seven yards a pop. Yeah, so all you can ask for, I think, and he had a three reception for 40 yards and another touchdown. So, uh, it, yeah, so 13 touches, about 111 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, say what you want about Sarkeesian, but he's going to put – he's going to give guys like that – he's going to put them in every possible position to succeed and get the ball. Look, like I said, I have no questions of him as an offensive coordinator. As a head coach, that's different. But as an offensive coordinator, as far as play design, play calling, getting guys in the right position to be successful, I have no concerns about that whatsoever. How'd your two uh, true freshmen look on the line? You know, they looked okay. Um, they let up a couple of pressures, but there were no uh, huge breakdowns at all. So We're going to get – I mean, obviously – We'll get on our next episode as they get ready for Bama, but is this a good enough warm-up for them, or is just the level of talent going to be so much? No, yeah, no. I don't see anything today that says, oh, they gave me confidence that they can uh, challenge Alabama at all. But again, that's, that's not what this season is about. I just hope, what I'm hoping for, and we'll get into this on our preview show later in the week, but I'm just hoping it's not... We don't see what we saw at Oregon and, and Georgia. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. I don't want that. I want to. I would like to see a game that's semi-competitive. You know, uh, place. You were worried about your defense. They only allowed ten points. You know, the defense looked good. Here's what I saw, and it's very similar to what we saw from OU yesterday. How about everybody just hustling to the football? You know, running back gets to the edge. How about I want to see five guys? Yeah. And that's what I saw yesterday. So I'm excited about that. I did not see any coverage breakdowns. I saw guys communicating in the back end. So, again, I don't know how good they're going to be defensively all year. But for this game, I like they, what I saw from an effort standpoint. Besides the punt block, did they create any turnovers? They did. They actually had a pick six. Deshaun Jameson, the one who blocked the punt, had a – it was a tip ball. He picked it off and took it to the house. So, um, see, that's – you know – I you've got to have those plays. And if you can get one or two of those against Bama, it's going to, it just, it keeps you kind of in the game, keeps you hanging around. And they're kind of, they're like free points, you know? Special teams and, and turnovers. You yeah. Know? That's two touchdowns, not offensive. Which is the difference in the spread, right? Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, here's the problem I have. I'm the host, I'm the co-host, along with you, of the Boomer Bebo podcast. And I wanted to watch some of the Longhorn game last night, which I, that makes me almost want to throw up in my mouth a little bit saying that out loud. But I did. I wanted to watch it because I want to speak authoritatively about the teams, Oklahoma and Texas, that we're covering. But the Longhorn Network makes it really hard, Kevin. It's really hard to follow Texas. And I think... In a reverse way, it's done them a disservice to a general population of sports fans. Because just being on a regular ESPN channel and allowing it to be somewhere on my, you know, on my radar is way easier just to flip over and watch a game, flip over and watch the BYU. Like I watched a lot of BYU South Florida last night just because I'm flipping around and watching different games. It's readily available. It's there. I can see it. And I'm like, my God, where? why can't I watch this Texas game in an easy fashion? 
Explain. It's a tier three game. It's a tier three game, right? I mean, you guys have. But you're going to have two. You're going to have two on the Longhorn Network, though. It's true. I'm going to say that again to you in two weeks. When you lose to UTSA, I'm going to say, I really wish I could have watched the UTSA game. Hey, they look good against Houston, dude. And I noticed you did not respond to my text when I asked if you were nervous. Okay, first of all, you got to check your phone. That text came through four times on my phone. And I That's instantly, right. I immediately responded. I kept to the sending first it. One. I kept sending it. And I never I saw it respond. I responded to the first one. And I said, no, I expected this game. It was a four, it was a four point spread. Um, I just, I don't know. The long word. I think it's hurt them. What do you think? Do you think it's hurt them no. more than it's helped them over the period of time that they've had no, it? No, not at all. Now, what, the timing of it couldn't have been worse because it literally came at the beginning of the worst period in the history of Texas football. That's really is what, what's hurt them. You know, they haven't been able to take full advantage of it. But, you know, something that had never happened before. It was an experiment with ESPN and Texas. It's been okay. What it really has helped is if you're a fan of other sports. Sure. You know, because all the volleyball games are there. All the, you know, softball games are on there. Swimming meets. So if you're a fan of other sports, it's really been beneficial. It's very similar to what you guys are going to have with ESPN Plus starting this year. All your other sports will be, a lot of your other sports will be on there, along with behind-the-scenes shows like the um, Longhorn Access show that they've had for um. I don't want this to sound as a bit as weird as it's about to sound coming from an Oklahoma fan, but I wish that if you had ESPN Plus, you could have access to Longhorn Network games. Oh, I completely agree. Because again, next week it won't matter, but we're on ESPN Plus. But if you've got the ESPN app or ESPN Plus app open, you can jump around game to game to game to game to game, you know, and just be bouncing around and watch all these games. Again, without having the Longhorn Network there, it's just really hard. But that won't matter next week because y'all are playing <laughs> Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, yeah. Everybody will be watching. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be a Here's the plan, folks, for the Boomer Bebo podcast. We will record Wednesday again like we did last week. We'll have our previews out. We're going to spend – the bulk of the show talking about the Texas Alabama game because Kent state is just another tune up for Oklahoma prior to them playing Nebraska, by the way, bear. I mean, I guess they beat, beat them, but it wasn't pretty. They beat North Dakota at home, but it was ugly. Uh, but the Texas Alabama game game of the week in Austin, I saw the heat. Can you imagine how hot it's going to be though? My gosh, an 11 a.m. kick. They got a break this week. I mean, I think the temperature was maybe 80 degrees at kickoff last night. So, yeah, I don't know what the temperature is going to be, but it's going to be hot. 11 a.m. Austin. Kevin, I want you to do your research. I want a game plan for how Texas keeps this game close. I'm looking forward to hearing it. For everybody else, you know, get in the game. We got our Boomer Bevo pod Twitter. Hit us there. Hit us in the comments on our YouTube. Kevin, where can they hear us? And you can hear us anywhere you can find a podcast. We are there. Apple we, Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere. We are there. It is week one is in the books. Week two is coming up. I'm fired up. Both teams are one and oh. Kevin, let's go. Boomer. Welcome.